Well, praise the Lord. Open your Bibles tonight, if you would, to uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. We'll be going to some other places with some other scriptures. But I want to begin with Matthew, chapter 6. We have been, uh, for the last five or six Wednesday nights, ministering on the, um, on the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the pattern that Jesus gave us as a prayer pattern, as a model pattern, to be our prayer pattern to follow after, to help us uh, in our prayer life. And uh, the disciples, of course, you know, came to Jesus and asked Him to teach. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught His disciples, and in Luke chapter 11, Jesus then gave them this, this model prayer and taught them this, uh, this, um, this model. And as we've said, it's not a prayer. Hang on a minute. Praise the Lord. Is this... Hello? Okay. <laughs> we're, we're echoing from somewhere. We've got some guys supposed to come and fix all this, but I, I don't know when they're going to get to it. Amen. Where was I? Oh, we are... Uh, we're, we're, in, we're, we're studying this pattern. Jesus gave this to His disciples, not as a prayer, as I've said, not as a prayer to be recited, not as, as something just to, be, you know, just to be rattled off you know, and read through or prayed by rote, but He gave this, this prayer as a, as, a, as a pattern for His disciples to follow after. And there are six main prayer points that we have been talking about in the Lord's Prayer that help us in our prayer life. And we've talked about, the, um, we've talked about how that uh, um, we begin our prayer. Now I can't hear myself, guys. We talked about how that we begin our prayer with worship. We come before our Father in heaven and we hallow His name. There has to be relationship there. Remember, He's our Heavenly Father by virtue of the blood of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross. So when we come to Him, we come through Jesus Christ and through the blood of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's relationship there. So we, have, we establish that relationship. That's our foundation and our... Our, our basis for having effective prayer is having right relationship with the Heavenly Father. To the world, He's God, but to you and I, He's our Father tonight. We are in the family of God. But then, hallowed be thy name. We come into His presence, not just jumping in there with our requests. He does want us to make our requests and our petitions, but uh, we come before His presence, first of all, with thanksgiving and with praise and with worship and with adoration. So we hallow the name of the Lord. And that's, um, that's how we enter His gates with thanksgiving and we enter His courts with praise. Isn't, isn't that what the psalmist said to do in Psalm 100 and verse 4? He said to enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. So we come before the Lord with thanksgiving and we hallow His name. And we went through those, those eight redemptive names in that, in that message that night. We went through the eight redemptive names of the Lord, the Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness, Jehovah uh, uh, Rohi, the Lord our shepherd, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer, Jehovah um, uh, Nisi, the Lord our banner, and all the different names of the Lord that, um, that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. They're redemptive names and the benefits and the character that God revealed Himself through those names are, are, uh, are, are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we worship Him and we praise His name. And we magnify Him, and we come to His gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise. And so then we talked about getting our priorities right. In verse 10 of Matthew 6, He, uh, he said to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done uh, in earth as it is in heaven. So we have to get our, our priorities right. And we have to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness 
and His will for our life. Amen? It's not all about coming to God and enforcing your will on God. And, and sometimes I think that's been the idea that's been given um, in the last few years about prayer is I can just go in there and just, I'll tell God what I want and I just get, get what I want. And, and, and God does want to answer your prayer and God does want to meet your need and all of that. But the thing is, prayer is not about Rick Hensley going into the Father and getting what I want. But it's about going to the Father and having what He wants established in my life. Amen. It's having His will in my life. Because I'm going to tell you, God has a plan and a purpose and a will for every one of us. For every day that we live. And I want His will to be done in my life. Because if I walk after... You know, that's the biggest thing that has to be put to death and crucified in our lives is ourself. And our self-will and what we want. And because our, our self-will is not always what God wants for us. That's why it's important in prayer for us to pray and to seek the Lord about His will being done in our life. And so establishing our priorities, setting our priorities in our life, that's a part of prayer. The kingdom of God, Paul said that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we've been brought into the kingdom of God and we're seeking His kingdom. You know, a kingdom, and I, I'm trying to, I don't want to spend a lot of time in this, but I just want to refresh this just a little bit. A kingdom is, is, is a domain where a king rules and reigns. Isn't that what a kingdom is? A kingdom has a king, and that king reigns over that kingdom. And so we've been brought into the kingdom of God, and Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. So if we're seeking first the kingdom of God, then what are we seeking? We're seeking the rule and reign and dominion of the king of that kingdom over our lives. Amen. There again, it's not what we want or what we will, but what, what He wants. I want Jesus to reign in me. I want Jesus to rule in my life. And it's something that we establish in prayer every single day of my life. Lord, as Jesus prayed in that garden, you know, in, the, in Gethsemane, when he, when he agonized in prayer and he, he said, Lord, if there's, Father, if there's any other way that we can do this, let this cup pass from me. But then he resigned it all to the will of the Father. And he said, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And that's the place that you and I have to come to prayer, come to in prayer, that we resign everything to the will of the Father for our lives and let Him lead us and let Him guide us and let Him direct us every day of our life. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Thy will be done. And then we talked about verse 11 in that prayer, um, in that model prayer. The next point was give us this day our daily bread. And that's where we come to Him and we appropriate the provision that He's provided for us. Notice all that we come through in prayer before we ever get to the place where we say, Give me. Amen? It's a little ways down before we come to the place where we say, Give me. But there is a place for that. You just have to go through the right protocol. And then you get to the place where you can ask Him for your daily needs to be met. Ask Him to provide for you. Ask Him for His blessings in your life. And He's a good, good Father. And He does want to meet your needs. And He does want to provide for you. Amen. And He already, i got some good news for you. He already knows what you have need of before you ask Him. Amen. And he's not unconcerned about it. He's not sitting up there unconcerned. He knows what you and I have need of, but yet he said to come before him as a father, a son to a father, a daughter to her father, and just ask him what, he, what, what you need. Well, ask him for what you need, amen, in your life. So that's appropriating the provision. And then last Wednesday night was a, was a stem winder, wasn't it? Last Wednesday night. Anybody remember last Wednesday night? Last Wednesday night was verse 12 of that sixth chapter. The part of the prayer where we get along with everybody. 
I can't preach on this enough because that says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Number one, if we've sinned, we have to ask forgiveness and He will forgive us. But then uh, it's predicated, God's forgiveness is predicated on us forgiving those who've sinned against us and getting along with everybody and not having forgiveness and uh, or not having unforgiveness and strife and division and grudges and all of that type of thing we got to be clean from that and clear from that all right and so that's a part of that that's an important part of prayer where we have the lord searching our hearts if there's anything in our hearts it's that part of introspection just like we sang about here this evening you know we want to have clean hands. We want to have a pure heart before the Lord. We want to, to be pure in His sight and make sure there's nothing in there that would be displeasing to Him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is the beginning. That's what brings revival. That's what brings revival is when we search our hearts and we get everything right with the Lord and, and, and all of those things. You know, it's not those, listen, it's not those big sins. And I know when we talk about forgiveness of sins, people talk, talk we're thinking about adultery and fornication and drunkenness and lasciviousness and homosexuality or all those things. And all those things are sins that, yes, need to be repented of and forgiven in people's lives. But the, the, it's, Solomon said, Solomon said in the Song of Solomon that it's those little foxes. It's those little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things like bitterness and, and hatred and unforgiveness and anger. Come on, somebody. Oh, hallelujah. I'm preaching better than you're amen tonight. It's those little things that we got to seek the Lord for and allow the Holy Spirit to put His finger on there and say, hey, there's something you need to, to talk to me about and get right. The Lord's always there to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to give us those clean hands. He wants to give us that pure heart. But He wants us to come to Him and confess those sins and those things to Him and ask Him for that forgiveness. Amen. Praise God. So that brings us down to tonight. And uh, so don't put me on the timer right now. No. <laughs> that brings us to tonight's message. And uh, on the next part of this prayer, verse number 13 of Matthew 6, and lead us not. This is the sixth topic, I believe. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And this, tonight I want to talk about how to consistently defeat the devil. To consistently be an overcomer. To consistently walk in, with the Lord, free from the power of sin's dominion and control in our life. Jesus said that's a part of our prayer life for us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want to begin by saying this. Uh, I want to explain this as, as best I can to you tonight because sometimes that's a little bit confusing to people because they think that we're asking the Lord not to tempt us or not to lead us into a place of temptation. And that's not really what Jesus is saying because the Bible tells us that, that the Lord, God, does not tempt us with evil. Is that right? Isn't that what James said in James chapter 1 and verse 13? James said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. So we know that God is not the one that is tempting someone to sin. God never entices anyone or, or, or coerces or leads someone into sin. The word temptation... Uh, there um, has the word temptation has several different meanings. Meanings it can and does many times refer to a solicitation to evil, 
and uh, are a, uh, you know, James said that, uh, in, in another place, James said that every man is tempted when he's drawn away uh, of his own lust and enticed. And that word enticed means to be lured. And I've used this illustration before. It's just like a, a bass fisherman that will take those bass lures and throw it out there and, and entices that big bass. Isn't that right, Brother Terry? This entices that big bass, you know, and, and, and may throw it several times and he'll look at it and he'll see the movement on that lure. And uh, boy, it finally comes to the place where he just can't stand it no more. He's got, there's something in that bass that says, I've got to have that. And there's something inside of each and every one of us that, that, that is drawn to sin and to temptation. And that's what the devil does, trying to lure us and entice us into sin. And that is a, that is a form of temptation. But in that area, Satan himself is the tempter. Can you, can you agree with me on that? In, in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested of the devil, the Bible says that when the tempter came to him, the tempter, the, the Scripture refers to Satan as the tempter. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5 also uses that same terminology and refers to Satan as being the tempter. That's one of the things that Satan does is he lures, he tempts. He, he works on the desires of the flesh that every one of us have, those evil desires of the flesh that have to be kept under the blood, that have to be kept crucified. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, least after I had preached to others that I myself should be a castaway. So there's something we have to do with this flesh there's something we have to do with this body. And you know what that is? That's yield it to the Holy Spirit, to Jesus who's living on the inside of us and let Him control us. we got to be under the control of the Holy Spirit all the time. The body, the flesh, cannot be allowed to control us. If you walk in the Spirit, if you walk in the Spirit, um, you know, you'll, you'll, you, if you walk in the, um, after the flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. If you walk after the Spirit, you of the Spirit will reap life everlasting. So we've got to make sure we're not walking after the flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We've got to yield ourselves to the Spirit of the Lord that's living on the inside of us and let Him control our lives. But the enemy's there to entice that flesh, right. to work on that, 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 uh, that propensity within us that everyone still has that is there to sin, to yield to sin. You're not perfected yet. Now, that's a deep revelation. But you're not perfected yet. Amen? We still battle temptation. So the word temptation can be a luring to sin, but it also, in many contexts in the Scripture, that word temptation refers to testing and trial. And so when James said, let no man uh, say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, when the Scripture refers to lead us not into temptation, it can refer to a solicitation to evil, but it's also referring to trials and testings that we go through. And all of us have those. And can I tell you something tonight, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that none of us, not one of us, no one here is exempt from temptation. No one is exempt from times of testing. And so what was Jesus saying? Because, you know, he, James, said, James said that, that, uh, that, that, there's, that everyone, every man is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. So we all have those temptations and none of us are going to escape those. But Jesus here in this prayer is instructing us, or in this model prayer, is instructing us to watch and to pray. 
to watch and to pray against entering into temptation through our own carelessness or our own disobedience. And what he's telling us here to do is to claim, to pray, to believe and to claim his help and victory over temptation. Because I'm going to give you something here that you need to get a hold of. You will never within yourself, you will never within your own power, you will never within your own ability, I don't care how strong your willpower is, you will never be able to resist temptation to sin unless you're depending upon the Lord to give you that victory over it. The flesh cannot, yes. The flesh cannot overcome. And you know, that's all, that, and that's, that's where we get messed up, and that's the very thing that Satan always tries to bring us into is to get our, the object of our faith on something different. Get us to, to believe, well, I'm a pretty strong Christian. I'm a pretty good, I'm a pretty stalwart Christian. I, I've really been in the Word and I've really been praying a lot and I've really done this and I've really done that and I just don't believe there's any way the devil can not knock me over or I don't believe there's any, and, and I've heard people say when someone else would fall into sin, I've heard people say, well, I would never do that. Oh, watch out. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Because Paul said, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Amen. We've always got to have our faith not in ourselves, not in our strengths, not in our ability, not in how much scripture we know, not in how much we read the Bible or pray, but our faith has got to be anchored in Jesus Christ, what he did for us at Calvary, and that allows the Holy Holy Spirit then and gives him the access to give us the power and the victory and to live in us and to walk in us and to overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we all will be tempted. So in this prayer, we're to pray and we're to claim God's help, the help of the Holy Spirit, to depend upon the help of the Holy Spirit and his victory over temptation. When he said, lead us not into temptation, then he says, deliver us from evil. And uh, or, 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 or uh, the evil one, some translations read. And I believe um, in Brother Swaggart's exposit, uh, expositor's study Bible, the notes there say, uh, refers to the evil one or Satan. Um, and so we're to pray in this prayer, in our prayer time, we're to pray that God would give us victory and deliver us from evil and from the evil one. That's a prayer and it's a supplication to be saved from the power of evil that seeks to influence, overcome, and master us and lead us astray. When he's talking about delivering us from evil or the evil one, he's talking about a, a, a clever design trap or a snare that, uh, that the enemy brings against us. And can I tell you, as I said, we won't, none of us escape, escape temptation. It's always going to be there. And so we've got to be on guard all the time. Wasn't that what Jesus tried to get across to Peter and the disciples there in Gethsemane that night? When he said, I'm going to go, pray. i got to pray. Would you all just watch and pray with me? And he'd come back and he found them. What was they doing? They was out of it. He was snoozing away and he told them, get up and watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that what he said? But he told them, you've got to watch. You've got to be alert. You've got to pray because if you don't pray, you will succumb to temptation. Men ought always to pray, Jesus said, and not to faint. And so you can turn that around and say, if you don't pray, you will faint. If you don't pray, you will succumb to temptation. You've got to pray and trust and believe and claim the victory over the devil and over the power of sin that it will not have control in your life. Amen? 
Hallelujah. You know the old hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And there's one of those verses that says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. And can I tell you, hallelujah, that it's the grace of God that brings us through those toils and those snares and those traps and the enemies laying traps for you every day and for me every day. And but for the grace of God, we've got to have His grace to overcome those snares of the enemy. Amen? We must defeat the evil forces that are seeking to hinder and destroy the plan of God in our life. I love what Peter said in 2 Peter 2 and 9. He said this, he said, The Lord knows how to deliver. I could just stop right there. The Lord knows how. Just take that, all right? If you don't get anything, just take that. The Lord knows how. Because there may be some of you sitting here tonight with a face in a situation, and you say, Lord, I just don't know how I'm going to handle that. I don't know how I'm going to get through this day. I don't know how I'm going to face this situation. Well, 2 Peter 2.9 says, The Lord knows how. Amen. He knows how. But I'll read the rest of it. The Lord knows how. He knows how to do anything you need Him to do to help you. But He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Well, that's something good to know. Amen? That's an encouragement. That's, that's an assurance of victory over temptation in our life. James said in James 1 and 12, He said, Blessed is the man that endures temptation. That endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of of life. Paul gives this reassurance in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 he said there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. In other words the devil's not coming up with anything new. Amen. Everything that he does he just recycles the same old junk and the same old stuff that, uh, that he's always used. And I know sometimes people will go through trials and they'll say well you just don't know what I'm going through. Uh, like it's something and maybe I don't or maybe the other people don't. But it's, it, 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 they make it sound like this is something new that nobody's ever faced before. But can I tell you what, the Bible says that there is no temptation, there is no trial, there is no test that you will go through, but what is common to man, Satan can't make anything up. He can't use anything supernatural against you. It has to be common to man. I'm going to tell you something. I've heard people say, well, God's not in control, but I want you to know God is in control. I said God is in control. He's got the devil on the leash tonight. He can't come up with anything new against me. He can't use anything supernatural against me. Only what's already common to man. That's the only thing God says you can go this far and that's, that's as far as you can go. Jesus told Peter, he said, Satan has desired you to sift you like wheat but I've already prayed for you that your faith will not fail. You're going to make it through, Peter. Hallelujah. Satan had already come to the Lord and got permission before he could do anything to Peter. I just feel good tonight. I don't know about anybody else. Said there's no temptation taking you, but such is this common demand. But God, I love those two words. But God, I have a message that I preach. I haven't preached in years on those two words. But God, I'm going to have to dig that back out. But God is faithful. He's faithful in every temptation. He's faithful to you in every trial. He's faithful no matter what you're going through. God is faithful. And He will not suffer or will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able. I've heard people say, Brother Rick, where is it in the Scripture that says the Lord will not put more on you than you're able to bear. Well, it doesn't actually say it in those words, but this is the verse that their people are referring to. This is what it does say, that He will not allow you to be tempted or tested or tried above that you are able to bear, but 
will with the temptation, with the trial, with the test, whatever comes your way, God has already tempered it, amen? And with that temptation, He will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Every time a trial comes, every time a temptation comes, every time you go through a time of testing, I want you to know God has already made the way of escape and provided for you the grace to make it through if you will trust him if you will believe him he'll see you through it amen amen the psalmist prayed in psalm 119 verse 10 and said with my whole heart have i sought thee with my whole heart have i sought thee oh let me not wander from thy commandments what was he praying there lead me not into temptation Deliver me from evil. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me not wander from your commandments. Then in one in, in one nineteen in verse one thirty three, he prayed this prayer and he said, "Order my steps in your word, and let not iniquity have dominion over me." Praise God. Well, I've got good news for you tonight. That according to the Bible, Amen. Jesus has already paid the price at Calvary. That iniquity and sin and the powers of darkness cannot and shall not have dominion over the child of God. He's already loosed us and set us free. Can I get an amen? But you've got to you've got to appropriate. See, we've got to appropriate that victory that he won at Calvary. Do you know that there are there are scores of, of believers that are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit tonight that are that are still struggling in some areas of sin and temptation. Well if they're saved they wouldn't do that. If they're saved they wouldn't do that. Well you know, there's a lot of people tonight that are saved and they're kind of like Paul. They find themselves in that place that Paul was in Romans chapter 7 that says, every time I, I go to do good, evil is present with me. And where Paul said, you know, he said, I, I, I don't know. He said, the thing that I, that, I, that I love, I don't do. And the thing that I hate... That's what I'm doing. He said, I don't, I don't understand this. I can't figure it out. But then he goes on. And you know, there's a lot of people, and this I wasn't intending on saying this tonight, but I'm going to throw this out there. There's a lot of people that are saved and, and love the Lord that are living that Romans chapter 7 experience that Paul lived in Romans chapter 7. But you know what? Paul didn't stay. Oh, come on, somebody. Paul, oh, hallelujah, I'm feeling something tonight. Paul didn't stay in Romans chapter 7, but Paul moved out of Romans chapter 7. And then he, got, he said, who? In Romans 7, he said, who shall deliver me? Not what or not how, but he had the right, he had, he had the right focus. He said, who shall, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? It's not how or what, but it's it's who will deliver you. Come on, somebody. And then he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes into Romans chapter 8 and says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. And my point is this. We don't stay in Romans 7. You've got to move out of Romans 7 and get Get a revelation of the cross of Jesus and the, a revelation of the power of the spirit of life and move into Romans 8 and live a life of victory over temptation and over sin. Woo, hallelujah. We'll get revival kicked off here in a minute. Amen. We must defeat the evil forces of darkness that are seeking to hinder or destroy God's plan for our life. And there are so many tonight that love the Lord, that are bound, you know, by those temptations and, and, and different things that they're, they're succumbing to that. But you need to get alone. You need to get with God. You need to get in prayer and pray this part of this prayer. Lord, deliver me from the evil one. 
I believe, Lord, that you paid the price on Calvary for my victory. Lord, deliver me, loose me, set me free from the powers of sin and darkness. And get over there in Romans chapter 6 and read that. That's always my prescription that I give. You know, doctors give people prescriptions and they take them to to the pharmacy and they let, um, you know, someone fill those prescriptions, a pharmacist, Brother Jim or Miss Holly or whoever, and and they'll take those prescriptions and follow it to the letter. Well, I give prescriptions too. Amen? A lot of times. But the, the prescriptions that I give are, are, are found in the Word of God. But if you don't take the prescription, that's the problem I have a lot of times, is getting people to take the medicine. How many knows? God's Word is medicine. We got to take the medicine. Amen? But I'll, I'll tell them, you know, get over there in Romans 6 and read Romans 6 and, and, and believe what it says in Romans 6, how that we are set free, how we are delivered. I, I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff here tonight, but I, I'm telling you we're all going to face temptation and we're all still in a body of flesh. And there is a devil out here. There is a devil out here that wars against us. And you and I as children of God are in a spiritual battle and a spiritual warfare tonight against evil, wicked forces, amen, of, uh, that, are, that are in the atmosphere that come against us all the time. And you and I have to understand and know that we through Jesus Christ, through the weapons of our warfare, through the whole armor of God that he's provided for us can and will be victorious over everything fiery dart and attack of the enemy in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. God, as I said, has provided us with armor. The whole armor of God. In Ephesians, he lays that out in the sixth chapter of Ephesians. We need to put that armor on. Now, I'm not one of these, you know, we've had some, <clears throat> in years gone by, in Pentecostal circles, there's been some weird stuff went on. <laughs> if you've been around full gospel Pentecostal people very long, you know there's been some weird stuff went on. And they, they had some stuff going on on spiritual warfare some years back where everybody would dress in army fatigues and combat boots, and they'd come to church and do spiritual warfare in their army fatigues and stuff. And while they were going through all of those shenanigans, the devil was just standing there laughing his head off because it meant absolutely nothing. Are you listening to me? Well, I'm not talking about... When I'm talking about putting on the armor of God, we recognize where the armor, what the armor is, and how it's given to us and how we put it on. And it's very simple. You don't go through... Now, I've heard preachers say, well, you go through and you put it on one piece at a time. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the helmet of salvation. Oh, you gird your loins about with the truth. And you go through all the motions. And the devil's laughing at all that nonsense too because that means nothing. But I'll tell you what the Bible does say. It says, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. It's not about taking and going through some kind of motions, but it's placing your faith in Jesus and putting on Jesus. Can I tell you, when you put on Jesus Christ, you have clothed yourself with all the full armor of God that Paul lists in Ephesians chapter 6. Amen? We've got to have that armor to be able to stand against the wiles and the attacks of the devil. Paul said there in Ephesians 6, he said, be strong in your own power, in your own might. Oh, that's not what it said, was it? No, he said, be strong in who? The Lord. And in the power of His might. So it's not about your power or might. It's the power and the might that comes from the Lord. That's the only way. There's only one power in the universe that is more powerful and stronger than the power of sin 
and that is the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. So you stand strong in the Lord and the power of His might. And he says then to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and uh, to stand against all of the wiles of the devil. And that word wiles is a word that means the strategies, the, the methods, the methodology of the, de- of the devil. It has to do with his devices, his plots, his plans, and his schemes. And can I tell you tonight that Satan is always plotting and scheming and planning of what he can do, how he can defeat you, how he can bring you down, how he can overcome you. There's always a plot of the enemy going on, how he can discourage you, how he can cause you to give up in your faith and turn the other way. I know people say, well, once you're saved, you're always saved, you can never backslide. Then why would the devil even try to get you to go back? Glory to God. That won't cost you anything. I'd just throw that in for free. Amen? But there's those methods going on and the, the plots and the schemes of the enemy. And we're not to be outsmarted by the enemy. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that we're not ignorant of his devices, of his schemes. So we're not to let him outsmart us. But the Bible does say that we are wrestling against a spiritual host of wickedness that uh, fills the atmosphere around us. And if you turn the TV on and watch any news or see what's going on in the world today, you, you will see the evil, the wicked. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's, that is, and, and we all know this, but what causes a man to take a, 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 a semi-automatic rifle and, and go on a shooting spree and kill 20 people and just in, in cold blood, what causes that? It's because this atmosphere, it has nothing, listen, it has nothing to do and I'm not being political, but it has nothing at all to do with gun laws. It has to do with the power of evil that's in this world and the principalities and the evil wickedness that is in people's hearts and how that, 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 that those, those demonic spirits get a, get a hold of somebody. They, they say, you know, they call it mental illness or whatever and they're, they're can be some mental illness involved, but for the most part, it's, it goes farther than that. It goes deeper than that. It's demonic possession. It's a man, it's a person that's under the control of Satan and under the control of demons. And this atmosphere around us, the whole atmosphere is filled with the powers of darkness. And you and I, listen, we've been brought out of that kingdom. And so we're in a warfare against those powers of darkness. They do everything they can to, to, to destroy or to fe- defeat the child of God. But thanks be to God, we're, we, we're wrestling not, listen, against flesh and blood, but we are wrestling against those principalities and powers. But we're not standing there helpless. We're not standing before them without protection and without weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Come on, somebody. And Paul outlines the list of of spiritual armor that he has given us. When we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, to gird your loins with the truth, to have on the breastplate of righteousness, to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen? He says to take the shield of faith. And with that shield of faith, we can quench and extinguish every fiery dart of the wicked one. Listen, there's a devil out here that he's shooting fiery arrows and fiery darts at every child of God. But tonight, you have got some armor to protect you. You don't have to be hit by it. You don't have to be taken out. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Claim his righteousness. Claim his truth. Amen. Lift up your shield of faith in Jesus and his finished work and faith in the Lord. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah to the Lamb. Amen. 
You've been given His righteousness. You have been given some, some sandals of, the, of, of, of peace tonight. He gives you that sure-footedness that you can stand. And that's what He says to do, just stand. That's what I try to tell people. What should I do, Pastor Rick? What stand? Don't quit. Don't wave the white flag. Don't throw in the towel. You, you claim your weaponry and your, your defensive armor and you take a stand against the attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. Glory to God forever. That shield of faith, that is our victory. Faith, is, faith in Christ stands and declares in the midst of those worst forms of satanic attack that comes against us. And let me tell you, where do they come? Where do those fiery darts aim for? Boom, boom, boom. Amen? Those thoughts that He puts in your mind. Those thoughts that He gives you. And, and, and that's what the helmet's for. That's what the helmet of salvation is to guard our minds. And our faith has to declare in the midst of those attacks, Lord, I'm trusting in you to protect me. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, you defeated Satan at the cross of Calvary. And I do overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. Every demon, every principality, every power, every ruler of the darkness of this world, every wicked spirit was dethroned and defeated at the cross of Calvary through the blood of Jesus Christ and the conqueror and the overcomer, the Lord Jesus Christ lives on the inside of me. I've put him on. He's my Lord. Hallelujah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to take that sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and use it on the devil. Use it. The sword. It's your sword right here. Is this what Jesus used in the Mount of Temptation in Matthew 4, Luke 4? Every temptation, everything the enemy came at him, there's only three that are, that are recorded in those passages of Scripture, but for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus had encountered Satan in the wilderness. But three of those temptations are given us to show us how Jesus overcame him. And if Jesus could defeat and drive the devil, he ran the devil completely off. Listen to me. Jesus ran Satan completely off with three verses that's recorded from the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. And every time Satan said something to him, the, the Lord pointed Oslufa to the Scriptures, and that's how he overcame those temptations. Listen, he, he, you know, Jesus, yeah, he's the Son of God, but, but Satan questioned that, didn't he? If you are, has the devil ever said that to you? Oh, if you are really a child of God. Has he ever done that to you? And it's the same thing. Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. He was tempted to disobey the Lord, to, to, to do his own will instead of the Father's will. But in every one of those temptations, every time Satan came against him and said, well, if you're the Son of God, turn the stones into bread. If you're the Son of God, jump from the pinnacle of the temple. And then the devil even quoted some scripture to Jesus. See, he, he can quote some scripture too. The devil knows the Bible, but he'll never quote it right. He'll always twist it a little or he'll always throw a little something in there that shouldn't be there or take something out that should be there. Amen. But, but he said, oh, you know, it, it jump off the temple or bow down and worship me and all this will be yours. And every time, every temptation that he faced, Jesus took the weapon, the same weapon that you and I have, that Paul lists in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit. Amen? And out of all of those pieces of armor, every piece of armor that Jesus has provided us is defensive to, 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 to keep Satan from hurting us, except for one. And there's one armor offensive weapon and that is what I'm holding in my hand right here the word of God 
Hallelujah. And you've got to take the word and put it in your mouth and say, listen here, devil. Here is what the scripture says. It is written. It is written. It is written. When the devil comes to you and says, if you were really saved, you're really not saved. You've got to say, it is written. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. I am in Christ. I am saved. I am a child of God. You've got to give him what the Bible says. Amen. Cut him to pieces. Slice him and dice him. (laughs) Glory to God. Instead of like Zorro putting that Z on them, you put a big J E S U S. Glory to God. Send him packing. Amen. Woo! Hallelujah. Amen. I got to close. Worship team, you can come back. I'm going to close, and then we're going to just come do a, spend a little time in prayer tonight, okay? Listen. When Jesus. When Jesus was, was, was saw by John on the Isle of Patmos, and John gave that description that he saw of the resurrected Christ, one of the things that John said was that he had that a sharp two-edged sword was coming out of his what? Out of his mouth. You can have the sword in your hand. You can have it in the sheath. But it won't do you much good unless you pull it out and put it to use. And the Bible says that the, that the Word of God is alive. Hebrews 4 and 12 said, The Word of God's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So the Word of God is that sword. And Jesus had the sword coming out of His mouth. So when you got the Word in your heart, you got to say, you got to open your mouth and say, Devil, it is written. Listen to what Psalm 91 says. We won't go far here because this, this could get intense. But Psalm 91 says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then notice in verse 2, he says, I will say of the Lord. Not I will think of the Lord Not I will meditate of the Lord. Those things are good. We need to be thinking of the Lord. We need to be meditating of the Lord. But here the psalmist said right here, I will open my mouth and I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress and my God and in Him will I trust. Surely He, not just maybe, but surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence and he shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust and his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night nor of the arrow that flies by day. And it goes on and on and on. But the main point that I wanted to give to you was he said this, you, I will say of the Lord, Lord, you are my refuge. You are my deliverer. You are my victory. And you know, we got to learn to praise the Lord for what He has already done for us through His finished work at the cross. That's the only thing that's going to drive the devil back. Amen? That's the only thing that's going to bring us the victory that we need over temptation and over all of the wiles of the enemy. Hallelujah. Let's stand tonight.